0: I think if you're constantly evolving, then you don't have to reinvent. And if you're stuck in a lane and you don't like who you become or what your brand has become, and you've done that for too long, then it's like, okay, I want to reinvent, but why is it to be relevant? Is it to be successful?
1: Like figure out what the, what the reason is. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever changing landscapes of wellness and social media.
2: Hey guys. Yay. Hey. Hey guys, so Christine here. Today I'm thrilled to be introducing someone I not only respect as an industry leader but count as a friend. Rebecca Minkoff's playful and subtly edgy designs can be spotted around the world on young women and celebrities alike. She has truly defined the accessible luxury category in so many ways. After developing an affinity for design while in the costume department in high school, Rebecca Minkoff moved to New York City at only 18 years old to pursue her dream of becoming a fashion designer. In 2001, Rebecca designed a version of the I Love New York t-shirt as part of a five-piece capsule collection, which appeared on The Tonight Show and became an overnight sensation. In 2005, Rebecca designed her first handbag, which she soon dubbed the Morning After Bag, a.k.a. M.A.B., I remember that. (laughs) The iconic bag ignited Rebecca's career as a handbag designer and inspired her edgy feminine creations in the years to come. After four years of designing statement-making handbags, accessories with her trademark leathers, studs, and hardware, Rebecca returned to her roots of apparel design and introduced her first ready-to-wear collection in 2009. Today, Rebecca Minkoff is a global brand with a wide range of apparel, handbags, footwear, jewelry, and accessories, including tech, as well as men's accessories. Rebecca is dedicated to bringing women together to enact positive change. In fact, in 2018, she established the Female Founder Collective, a network of businesses led by women that invests in women's financial power across the socioeconomic spectrum by enabling and empowering female-owned businesses. Rebecca and her hubby Gavin live in Brooklyn with their three kiddos, and we are so excited to have her here with us today to talk about some hot topics for 2021, which we'll dive into in just a minute. So welcome, Rebecca. Rebecca. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah.
3: So first we'll do our weekly catch-up and our weekly catch-up is, are you blowing off doctor's appointments? Are you going to the dentist? Are you getting that mammo? It is a pandemic. I confess that I was six months overdue for my mammogram, had a shady mammogram, and then put off the the sonogram until October, and then the follow-up to that till November, wound up with a biopsy and got a clean bill of health. But it just kind of got me thinking about how we're not proactively making these doctor's appointments right now because of our fear of COVID.
0: Right. So I guess my situation's a little weird in that my dad is a doctor. So anytime outside of uh, women's issues, I am sick or whatever, I can see him. Um, he literally looked at my throat two days ago when I felt like it was swollen and told me I was good, but I've had a, get a women's well visit on my to-do list since August. Yeah, me too. So, and it was probably overdue before that. So basically, yes, but I'm scheduling it for January and it's going to
4: happen. You're manifesting it. I it, and so it's happening. No, this is Jamie. I'm in the same boat. And not only does it suck for like me, have I been sucking, but like my kids. So my son turned one in quarantine and you're supposed to have like a one-year-old checkup, like a one-year-old well visit, you know, and like, he's one and a half now. Now we've been to a doctor since we moved here to Pennsylvania. I did have to get like Mason, his checkup before he went into a new school, But like, it wasn't really, we haven't found our pediatrician here yet because most pediatricians won't take new patients. I'm finding right now because of COVID. So like we moved to this new place. I was able to find a family doctor that would like take him just to look at him. But she literally like looked at him and she's like, is he eating, drinking? Okay. He looks fine. I'm like, I don't think that's enough for he's one. Like, is he hitting the developmental milestones? Like, so yeah, we have a lot to catch up on. And like, for me and my family, like we've gone to like the dentist and that's about it. So I'm raising my hand and calling myself out. James, I'm totally with you. And, you know, I didn't actually
1: know there was a two and a half year old well visit. Did any of you? Because no, I had no idea. And apparently I missed that for James. <laughs> but did it when he got back and had to do his, I had to do his three year old because he's having surgery. So like there's all those appointments. But like I haven't done a single one for me. I haven't gone to the dentist. I haven't gone to the doctor. I and I, I still haven't gotten my flu shot. Don't. Oh. Don't get
0: it. I know, yeah. I know, I know. Well, i, I not like, on anything.
2: Yeah, this is Christine. I feel like if we're being this crazy cautious, I haven't gotten mine yet either, Heidi, because my annual was in February. So I'm like ready to do an annual soon. And same thing with like gynecology and everything else. But- I haven't done dentists, but the flu shot, I'm just thinking, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong, but if we're being this insane about not getting COVID and like, I am being, I'm not doing anything and I'm like doing all the things to not get COVID. So aren't we also doing the things not to get the flu? Isn't that the same thing? Yes. Kind but of- some of us have kids in school. So right, it's okay. Have to. <laughs> okay,
1: okay, you just yeah, never like, know. Like my girls can't go back to school in January if they haven't had the flu shot by then. Oh, Interesting.
4: Yeah. Well, I think we all definitely should catch up. And Megan's recent health scare was definitely a wake up call for us all. And sometimes it does take a friend having a health scare to wake everybody the heck up. So, Thank you, Megan, for reminding us that it's important. We should all be having our mammograms. I mean, my mom's a, a breast cancer survivor. Like the fact that I haven't, that I'm overdue for one is actually inexcusable. So any of our listeners out there, we're just trying to give you a wake up call too. So let's get back to it guys safely when our doctors will let us come in. Although I will also say I've had um parsley health on my list of things to do. Cause I'm like, maybe I could just be doing yes. telemedicine, which is also another option. So mm-hmm. that's. Yes. Is- uh, but i haven't done that either. i'm pretty sure my teeth are gonna fall out at the end of this though <laughs>
3: like i probably should go to the dentist but I'm like but mm. the dentist is the thing that i feel like that's the most intrusive they're going in your mouth right like oh here's my mouth
4: i'm <laughs> I know. Like, not
1: sure i want to do that but i haven't taken my kids to the dentist either i'm like that's bad
4: they brush <clears throat> they're fine those teeth are gonna fall out anyway <laughs> all right <laughs> it's true topic time. (laughs) All right, let's move on. All right. So Jamie here today, we're going to dive deep into a topic on so many of our minds and that is Reinvention. Maybe 2020 caused you to have to reinvent your business or your brand or the way you earn a living. Or maybe you're just looking for some fresh energy going into 2021. Like, who isn't? Heading towards the new year is always a good time to shake off the old and welcome in the new. And there is no one that does it better than Rebecca. It's quite evident that one of her many secrets to success is her ability to reinvent and reimagine herself while staying true to her authentic truth, her core brand. DNA and we want to know how she does it. So Rebecca, welcome. And will you please spill the tea girl? How do you manage to stay so damn relevant and cool? And I also want to just talk lessons from 2020, because I know you've got a lot of them that we can all learn from.
0: Oh my God, we should be here for 20 hours. Um, (laughs) I I think 2020 was the reinvention for everybody, but specifically to our brand, you know, March 16th happened and we started getting cancellations left and right from every single one of our wholesale partners. Um, due to store closings and the uncertainty. And so within a week, 50% of our business evaporated. Uh, We didn't honestly think that we'd be able to sustain the company financially because- uh, while we were proud that 30% of our business was our e-commerce site, it was something we didn't focus on enough. Um, you know, always was the last on the list because of, of the big amount of business we had with wholesalers. So when that went away, uh, we had to furlough a lot of staff. We had to let go of staff, which was, I think the worst thing for me of all of 2020 was letting go of people that were like my family, um, and, and figure out who we were and how we we're going to survive and how, we literally had to rebuild the company on every dollar amount we do in sales per day is going to make or break us. And, um, it took, it was Herculean effort on the part of the team. Um, but I will say the silver lining in all this is, you know, we're up over last year with our e-com we know our customer better than ever. We know how to position and market better than ever. All the things that we thought we had to do, just to be a brand, a lot of that got thrown out the window this year, and it's not stuff we're necessarily going to get back to, like top of funnel marketing and what we do, or, you know, my even more deeper connection with the consumer, um, or just do we need an ad campaign? Actually, we don't. So I think that, uh, we were able to sort of put full focus on our brand, what we want to say, what we stand for. And we've uh, really grown a lot from it. And the team is the culture within our company is far healthier than it's ever been.
2: Rebecca, you were saying in the article too, that it's so, which I think is so interesting. I think for all of us, we're finding that you're kind of getting back to your roots. Like when you first started out and you were doing everything kind of like, you know, hands on and a little more gritty, but it's funny how it comes full circle. And you're doing that now. You mentioned you were doing videos in your backyard and, you know, no ad campaign, but like that's your ad campaign, you know, that's, that's something you can do and produce it there. And you and I actually saw each other. It was right before March in February with your kids collection, where you actually reached reinvented yourself right before COVID. And that was like a little reinvention before this reinvention. So it's just crazy. Did that, did that keep, um, you know, going as well with the kids collection right before this pandemic hit, you know, that would seem to be taking off really successfully. Right.
0: Yeah. So that company actually was not considered essential. That, sorry, that factory that made our goods was not considered essential. So they had to shut down, but they were able to open back up and make masks. So actually all of our masks, uh, whether they're kids or adults, are made with them. Um, and then we have started getting back into the apparel and ready to wear space. Uh, it's just been a little slower than we liked, but we are focusing on what pays the bills right now. So yeah. Um, Yeah, but like, you'll see these beautiful images of me in Soho and you don't know that it was a team of three and I changed in a sheet on the street right before we took that photo. So it really is going back to 2005
4: it's wild because we think of like, you know, smaller stores or little restaurants, like having to close, but a global brand, like Rebecca Minkoff, like the fact that you so quickly were just like day to day is really so indicative of how businesses are faring. And it is so crazy, but, um, and the, the, article that Christine was referencing was the ink magazine article, the upside of acting like a scrappy startup. Again, we all read that we loved it. It was part of what made us really want to, you know, have you on because I thought it was so, um, smart. And again, it's kind of one of those mini silver linings is because it really reframed the way that we all think. So can you tell us a little bit about like, okay. So one of the things was like losing the need for everything to be polished, right. Or like wearing all of the hats. So like, Tell us a little more about what that looked like for you.
0: Yeah. So immediately when we realized that the site was our only form of business, um, we said, okay, where are we going to get new eyeballs and where are we going to get that organically? Because our spend, our ad spend isn't necessarily going to increase. So I sort of went back to the early days. Like, how do we do this? Well, let's try giveaways and cross promos. I reached out to every brand I could think of and I was like, I will hawk your product, but- You offer your customers my products. And we began to see, it started to generate 70% new traffic to our site. So we kept going with that. We generated about 100,000, maybe it's up to 125,000 new emails with all these giveaways that we were doing. And then we started doing Instagram lives every night. It was a happy hour. And that was driving organic traffic to our, our site. So we were able to get that organic traffic in, retarget them. Um, And then it became like, I'm writing all the copy for the emails. I'm shooting all the top of funnel content. I can easily see what's working, what's not. And we can optimize a lot quicker. If you hire an agency and you go shoot something for the next three months, like when these companies get big, and again, this advice probably works for companies that are our size. You know, I don't know that a target corporation could pivot and you know, move that quickly, but we were able to just really day-to-day shift our marketing. What, it, what sold out? Good. Let's do an email. I'll go shoot it tonight in, the, in my backyard or whatever, and we'll get it up the next day. So we're, we're able to almost day trade, if you will with the customer. So we can see what's working and what's not. We changed our entire marketing strategy last week when we saw organically one of our most expensive bags sell really well. We said, great, we're getting on this train. Now you're going to see us talking about this bag all the time. So most companies have their plans laid out for the year. And so the fact that we can do this within a few days, especially right now, uh, makes all the difference
2: you think you'll probably, I mean, do you think you'll stick to some of it? Obviously, you'll you'll probably go back to some of the conveniences, but it's an interesting way to kind of almost be more successful and save a little bit too, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we always struggled with that fine line between you see what the big corporate companies do and their glossy spreads with a woman getting out of a helicopter. That's not our brand. Um, and so maybe it won't be as down and dirty as some of what I'm doing now, but there'll be a little bit of a, you know, I think we try and ride this line of, you see the model, let's say in our, in our marketing and on our site. Um, she's not so out of whack that you could never imagine, but I'm doing something dorky. So, you know, the through line is the product, um, and, and sort of highlighting, you know, the brand, how cool it can be. And then real life, tired mom showing you how how it's worn in real life. It's like celebrities versus real life in Us Weekly.
3: <laughs> That's kind of what I'm curious about. Like, what did this look like behind the scenes? Like, what did this look like for your family, for your personal life, for your husband? Like, you've uprooted to Florida, I think. So, like, how did all this play out personally?
0: So, from March until July, uh, we headed out. We have a house out east, and we lived there. Um, I talked to my nanny, and I said, listen, I'll give you Fridays off, and I'll pay you more. Uh, if you live with us four days out of the week and you have the kids. And so then my husband met and we said, okay, good. I'll take two hours of homeschool. You take the other two, the nanny's watching the baby and doing the dishes and the laundry. So that was how we were able to keep, um, some semblance of normalcy or sanity. It was awful. I don't know about you guys, but homeschooling fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and I was my worst version of myself as a human and as a mother homeschooling. So when we saw that this was going to continue, I was like, I'm not homeschooling. Where are we going to go? And so his company was remote and he was able to work. Um, and, you know, I'm showing up as needed with my company and going to New York as needed. So the kids are now in school nine to five. You know, there are some silver linings to a Republican governor. I will say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's as normal as it could be for the time being and that we can both continue to work and, and do what we need to do for our respective companies.
1: So when you're wearing all of these hats, I think so many people probably have this question. I know I do. What are you doing to ensure that you're not like having a nervous breakdown and working 24 seven? Like, how do you, do you draw any boundaries? Do you like, where do you like wave the white flag? If you do, how do you take care of you?
0: Well, uh, I started exercising every day of the week, and that was not something I did pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, I had 20 minutes. So I think we talk about, I have more time, I guess, more time for myself now than I did before, right? With the commute and the late night events and whatever, the travel schedule I had before. So this is actually... Right now, easier in that I can, I can. You know, we don't start our our work till ten, so I have, you know, almost an hour of just whatever after I drop the kids off to like, just do me right, whatever it is I want to do. Um, and then the kids get home and they want my full attention, and so I make sure that by six I'm done. If they're asleep early and I and I haven't managed to watch an episode of The Crown, then I will go back on email. But it is about the team. We have an incredible team. I'm not doing all this work alone. And so everyone's sort of passing the baton and who's on first and
4: making sure it's covered. So I have a question about reinvention. So, you know, you obviously had a passion for design and it brought you to kind of where you are, but I think for a lot of people, like in order to reinvent yourself, you had to invent yourself in the first place, right? So if someone's kind of stuck defining or redefining their lane, right? Like their core brand DNA, and it could be their business brand, or it could be like your own personal brand, because today we're all our own brand. What would be your best piece of advice to kind of pinning that down?
0: I think first off, I would call it an evolution. Uh, I think you only have to reinvent yourself if you got stuck or stale in a lane. And if I'm being honest, you know, we had reached, we had had maybe one or two years of product that was not cool or relevant to the customer due to some bad hires that we had made and kept for too long. And so the customer didn't really like the product. She liked me, she liked what I was doing for women, but like, then she didn't go to buy. So part of the reinvention was we had to take like a stiff look in the mirror and say, okay, it's actually a reinvention of product and let's get back to our roots as a brand and fix that. So we fixed that. So now she's coming to us for the content, for the product, for the podcast, for the work I do on behalf of women. Um, And she's getting a full package. And that took, you know, a year to turn that around. So I think if you're constantly evolving, then you don't have to reinvent, you know? And if you're stuck in a lane and you don't like who you become or what your brand has become, And you've done that for too long, then it's like, okay, I want to reinvent, but why is it to be relevant? Is it to be successful? Like figure out what the, what the reason is. It's not to get rich. And I think the reinvention has to be about, you know, renewing your original purpose and realigning for the society you're in today and how they want to be talked to, marketed to, spoken to, and
2: sort of aligning with that are you finding this is Christine. I remember back, I think it was probably 2011, right? When I first started my blog and you did, you were like the coolest thing. Cause you did that Hampton's house and no, and it was with bloggers and no one had ever done that before. And it was a sleepover and you were like, I'm going to go and actually hang out with these girls. And that's when we first like met, met, and we talked and you are so down to earth that I think it, it, puts a face to the brand and a personality. And I love that about you. And do you find that it's hard to, with everything now, with social media and reinvention, not only during COVID, but even before, keep up with that, you know, how do I almost outdo myself? Or like, what's the next best creative thing I can do to get these girls excited or to get this consumer excited? Because that, everything you do is always like that moment, I remember from the first time I met you, you're always like one step ahead. And, you know, it's like, who's this cool designer that's coming to hang out with us in the Hamptons and have breakfast? With us, Like, you know what I mean? It was just a, a nice, I don't know, it was a different, you know, way to connect with us. And I feel like you always do that. But how do you stay one step ahead of yourself?
0: I think that when you become known as a company that is pushing those boundaries, then people know to come to you first. So half of it is inbound. And us deciding what lever we want to pull. And some of it's just seeing what's happening. I am the last person that wants to be on fucking TikTok, you know, (laughs) doing some dumb shit, okay? I'm I'm assuming that our audience is our age. But, like, I have to be there. So I have to figure it out, you know? And so I I am. And it's not going well. And it's very humbling. But um, if that's where the next generation is is, and they're going to have their parents' credit cards... I hope that I'm their cool brand that they want to have. Um, Or, you know, we're doing a lot of live shopping with this platform. Called shop shops or we've done it on Amazon, um you know the Instagram experience should be better when you're when you're shop- when you're doing the live Instagram shopping, but that is the future if you're going to see these q v like q v c like models of people talking about a product and you can click to buy so I think that some make sense for us as a brand and and where we see it going in the future, and some I just have to suck it up and do because. I need that customer, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, totally. So like, let's talk social media, I mean, by the way, I think you're adorable on TikTok and your reels. Like I, the cutest thing I loved. I watched one the other day where you were like, I don't remember what it was. It's pretty recent on your Instagram feed. Everybody should go look at it. You're cute. You're adorable.
0: The one that I'm so embarrassed. I even had to do is the pajama jam and it's going well. And I'm like, I can't believe this is what I have to do to stay relevant. So, <laughs>
4: (laughs) We talk about it all the time, but like, let's talk social media. So like, what is one piece of advice you would give people on representing your brand, personal or business on social, like other than just, you know, being dragged, kicking and screaming over to TikTok, but like, how do you stay authentic and how do you best connect with your customer and tell a story that's not just product driven, but you know, where's the line between your personal life and products, all of that?
0: Yes. So some brands are able to exist just as a brand with no face, no no person behind them, and that makes their job a lot easier because they can always have almost a crystal clear voice with no opinion. Um, then you have uh, what a lot of people are used to is these bloggers that now have brands and their personality and what they're doing is infused and it's one. And then you have a brand like us where we're a little bit of both, right? We've definitely were a brand from the, how long we've been around, but then I'm a real person and I have a real messy life. so, If I were to share my whole life, which I've done before, my views would go up 10 times to what they are now because people love the reality and the drama. But then we want to temper that with, if you see me wiping my son's ass, does that make (laughs) you want to buy my bag the next time you're in the store? Maybe not because this is a luxury purchase for a lot of women. So there has to be some sort of level of aspirational luxury. That's not like seeing this above me.
4: (laughs) She's sitting in her kid's room for, for all of you. With eating. a bunk bed. And right. the bed is not made. And I totally did notice.
1: <laughs> Rebecca, this is Heidi. I just got my twins bunk beds and it's hard to make the top bunks. No, you
3: need, do you guys know about Bettys? It's the yes. zip up bedding that was designed for bunk beds. It's genius. You just need
0: Maybe they can sponsor this episode for you guys. Oh my yes. gosh, yes. yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um all right so we're kind of talking about like the trials and tribulations of women since a lot of us on here are moms right so like, let's talk women for a second i want to hear a little bit about the female founder collective
0: yeah so i was uh in 2018 getting really sick about the almost echo chamber of women talking to women about the wage gap of hearing about the few c-suite women that exist in corporate america about more men named john that are ceos than women um And I just felt like as a founder, I lacked a community. Yes, I have a fashion community, but I can't share like the nightmare that can be sometimes of a business with my staff or with, you know, a fashion editor. And so could I create a community of women that were all founders and then have an easily recognizable seal that you could know you're supporting a woman in the way that we look at the back of our makeup or the products that we buy? Um, and could we have education? Because we all started our businesses with a passion, but not necessarily the education that we needed to succeed. So could we get founders to teach founders? So launched it in 2018 um, and then got a co-founder uh, who had experience in this in, uh, at the end of 2018. And it's really just making these women empowered through education And through community. So we have about 9,000 founders that are members. Now the seals on over 3 million products. We do webinars weekly. We have, you know, Keystone events now virtual, but they used to be physical, uh, where it's, you're not going to necessarily see the celebrity. It's not there for someone to tell you how to take a perfect selfie. It's like the dirty stuff, like how to read a spreadsheet or how to prepare your deck for fundraising or, what is a financial model and how do you make one? All that stuff that is so left out of the picture when women start businesses. Where did you learn all of that? I didn't, I was lucky. I had a brother who was well-versed in business and I got to be, you know, not dumb, but I got to not know that stuff for many years and just focus on design and PR. And I made bad decisions because of it. I would have been such a better business person, had I learned that earlier and I would have made decisions that are a 100% opposite of, of some of the ones we did now. Example, we opened up three, three, four stores very quickly. You know, had I, had I been able to read a P and L or see the projections and modeling and understand what that meant across a year of how much we needed to do in sales, right? Which I now very much understand. I would have been like, let's open one and see how it goes. Let's open a pop-up shop for a month and see how that goes. Because now we only have two stores and there's a reason why, because we, you know, we made a bad business decision.
4: It's scary to get successful. It's real scary because you learn a lot of it on the job, right? I mean, the faster you grow, a lot of it, I mean, I, I know at least for my own career trajectory over the last 10 years, I spent a lot of time faking it. Usually it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, but wouldn't it, isn't it nice? Isn't it nice to have a collective of women to help? And, and I also think that it's really important to be able to raise your hand and, um, be okay with knowing what you don't know. I think that's
0: something everyone has to get better at because there's this imposter syndrome. There's the idea that you can't ask a question because you might look dumb. The best thing I ever did in one of my investment meetings was what does EBITDA mean? And if you don't know, and you're listening right now, look it up because they were talking about it. And it's a really important thing to know if you ever want to make money as a company. And I didn't know it, you know?
4: That was actually a term that I literally learned in my last year in like corporate. Well, I'm Googling it right now. Sorry, friends. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, and I worked in business development for two years. Like I I should have known, but no, same thing. And I had heard it. I had heard it in meetings, but I was too embarrassed to ask. I didn't even know how to spell it to Google it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So when you, Rebecca, back to even, um, you know, fashion week and everything else evolving, are you seeing that, I know with COVID it's very different, but as the industry was changing, you were one step ahead of that too, where you would have interactive shows and you would have things that weren't so cost costly. Um, you kind of pivoted there as well, I think. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like that was a smart move to sort of have these interactive designs and presentations and ways that we can come in and almost meet the designer and see the products up close, but not do it in the traditional fashion week way where designers are spending thousands and thousands of dollars setting this up. We should have done that. We weren't necessarily ahead of the curve. I think there was this sort of
0: um, dumb belief within fashion that if you were an established brand, you should only have a fashion show. And even, not not that I like this woman at all, but Anna Wintour was encouraging presentations, but there was still this underlying judgment of, ooh, they're having a presentation. Um, and it was about who's in the front row and the pictures and that all. So we actually should have done it far earlier. uh, But when we did decide to do it, it just felt like we couldn't communicate what we wanted to in a runway setting. And it became important that it wasn't just about the clothing and the bags. It was about what else are we talking about? So whether it's working women or rebirth or the last show was about, I don't know, uh, inspiring, you know, musical locations in New York, like you can't do that with a runway. And then the earned media that we got You know, as much as I'd like to be innovative and say, you know, we're going to do a digital video and it's going to get just as much attention, it never does. And so, you know, we have to keep doing these things and making them fun and interesting and experiences that people want to come back to.
2: And I think it was a huge success because I remember seeing it. It did kind of go virtual in a way, maybe not the way you you know thought with a with a video, but with everybody that you chose to invite and to have there, and to you know they pumped it out on their platforms, and it, it kept the excitement going, which is a great way for people you know who can't make it to New York and who aren't there in person to you do make it accessible enough that if you're not just you know front row ticket holders, you allow um, a nice mix of people you know to come in and view it in person as well. So that yeah, and
0: I think that. We've gotten better at it, but there was, you know, we've we've tried to make it so that, you know, one hour is consumer, one hour is editors, stylists, celebrities, because we tried mixing it together one year and that did not go well. Um, but I think we want to create a special experience for both. Yeah.
4: What do you think about the future of Fashion Week? I can't tell If I personally just think it's like lost all of its luster because I'm old and I don't care as much. Like I used to be so entranced by the whole ordeal and I, you know, I worked in PR for a hundred years and so I was producing fashion shows and we did a lot, you know, from Bryant Park on, but like now at this point, it just feels like very, I don't know, for me, it feels like it's lost its luster. Is that me or do you think it's going in a weird direction? Like, what do you think's (laughs) next?
0: Um, Well, I will say it's on life support, but whenever we we see people pull back, we go in. So when it was the recession and brands pulled back, we went forward and lowered our prices and we were out there. Um, With this last fashion week, I think there was three shows, me, Jason Wu, and Christian Siriano. And we got so much press from it that I was like, this is actually great that no one else is participating. Um, So we see it as an opportunity to stand out even more. And- if you're not excited about it, let me tell you, the random people that I met that are just starting out as a blogger or influencer or whatever, they're still excited about it and they will share that stuff in a way that you probably did 10 years ago. So uh, I think for us, you know, we're an inclusive brand and you know, those up and coming people are important to us and, and we want to have them be able to access it.
2: I was an editor for years and I remember it was just very small. It was just, you know, Brian Park, you you went in with a small handful of people. You pretty much knew everybody in the show, in the audience. And Now, like you said, it's exciting, you know, let that, let that happen. Let it reinvent itself. Let those girls come in now and get excited about it. Give them their turn. Um, And, you know, there's ways for us to cover it differently also that gets us excited, but it's, you know, maybe it's having more interviews with people, you know, with the actual designers themselves or things that we can do um, like Jamie and I, and people who have been in the industry for years where we could take that another step further, like having you on our podcast or, you know, doing things like that, where it's a little bit more personal. Or even the fact that now that you
0: have that access, you're now showing something special to your audience. So you're becoming more valuable to your audience by letting them in on an interview or a behind the scenes or whatever. Um, and almost looking at this like many tiers. You know, I'm, I'm talking with a company right now, you know, is the future of Fashion Week a ticketed event? And so for 20 bucks, you get to view it from your home. For 100, you get to do blah. And or 200, you get to meet the designer and have a styling session. And do and you sort of begin to sell this thing um, as a as a revenue model for designers, but for people to get access to things that they love.
3: I feel like Rebecca's always been ahead of the curve on the tech front too. Like remember your mirrors. Like I feel like you're going to innovate something far out that my brain can't even wrap its head <laughs> around yet on the tech front. It's going to be like this 3D virtual, you know, something.
0: Well, that that credit is really all due to my brother. So he came up with the idea for the mirror. I told him what a woman wants, but that was, yeah, that's all him. And Um, he got a little jazzy with his ideas and we put him in a corner (laughs) and, uh, you know, he's on a leash now. So I'm like, (laughs) it has to be something we would do. And we did use the mirrors, but then there were a lot of things that we went out there with that women didn't adopt. You know, I can't speak for all of you, but I'm never going to shop with a thing on my face, looking in a store. I'm just (laughs) not going to do that.
4: Wait, can you tell our listeners what exactly you're talking about? So they know like the mirrors and all that.
0: Oh, yeah. So the mirror, it was a touchscreen. And when you pulled in a garment, um, you can go, you can put, it's on YouTube. You could pull in a garment that had a tag that would basically turn the screen into what you would see on a website. So for that product, but it would also say, buy this, you can buy this item with these items. Most women don't know how to put outfits together. Um, you could call for a new size shocker from your dressing room instead of pulling your pants halfway up and sticking <laughs> your head out. You could adjust the lighting according to the mood of, you know, are you going to an event? Is it sunrise, walk of shame, you know, all the, all the different moves that you might be seen in this outfit. Um, And then check out from that dressing room. So that was the basic uh, gist of it.
4: I love that. I think that's really so clever. Oh my gosh, how much do you hate walking out with your pants half down and no shoes on? It's like, it is just the, that is the walk of shame. Honestly, I would just love to be
3: in a store in a dressing (laughs) room right now. I'll walk around with my pants down.
4: I don't care. That's a great point. (laughs) Safely. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that going to be the nice thing though, right? Like all of a sudden- the normal is going to feel so special in 2021. You know, I saw a tweet yesterday that somebody, somebody was just saying, like, one day soon we're going to be sitting, you know, uh, in a cinema or, just in a cafe in, uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. And it's just going to feel so splendid and magical. And it's so mundane. Um, and isn't that maybe one of the silver linings, just coming to appreciate the little things.
3: And bringing the word splendid back. I just <laughs> like that you said
4: it. splendid, Jane. I just blended. like it. Splendid. <laughs> <laughs> I felt very fancy. I felt like oh, my my it pinky was. finger had to be up when I it said it. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
2: So Rebecca, you come back and forth to New York currently, right? So we're... Or- yeah. a little bit for New York. Are you guys going to come back, come back and back and do the shows and do, I mean, do the um, opening I and mean, pop ups downtown? I remember we did something in the store where you had one of the fashion shows on the actual streets and it was I mean, it was very New Yorky. but are you guys going to be, you know, making that your home base again?
0: I mean, for the company, it's definitely its home base. Um, I just needed for my own mental health to be in a place where my kids were away from me most of the day, as yeah. <laughs> uh, much as I love them uh, and have just more support than I did uh, with, you know, my parents are here. It's just, it's just a lot easier. So uh, New York is definitely our home. We still maintain a residence there and we will definitely be moving back um, and we're still going to participate in fashion week if it's not on lockdown. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen this year.
2: I haven't really heard. I mean, it's coming up.
0: Right? I mean, we're planning, we're planning a show. Um, right now there's probably a, one other designer who's also having a show and that's it. And that's fine with me. I get all the, all the attention. <laughs> um, but if the de Blasio does declare, you know, a lockdown, then we'll obviously have to get creative and you'll see me in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> All my pajama jam walking in my spring collections. <laughs> that
4: sounds uh, fun too. <laughs> you know what I kind of love about that though is like it's, it's, it brings it back to being about the clothes. Like at the end of the day, I think part of why um, Fashion Week was troubling for me, was because it seemed to become more about the influencers walking around, parading around out front, the street style pictures of people that weren't even like- The Kardashians in the front row. Well, yeah, but that's fine. I mean, that was always, right? So like, I never had a problem with celebrities. It was more like everybody just felt so important. And it's like, we're here for these designers. And I kind of, it kind of like that type of a thing just seems so fluffy and not important now and when health is our primary concern, that I kind of like the idea of just getting back to like, let's celebrate the the collection. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's sort of, um, it's a hard thing to not be a part of if that's what everyone's doing, you know, like street style became so important that I would dress people that I knew wouldn't come to my shows, but I knew they were going to other shows, you know, it just became this weird world that, um, it was just part of being on the hamster wheel.
4: Yes. For any of you listening who don't, who've never been to Fashion Week, uh, it's literally like peacocks out out front of Fashion Week. It's just the all of these influencers and, and and wannabe bloggers, and no offense to them, some of them are great and they're big bloggers and they're big editors and they're icons. And then some of them are just really like to wear a lot of tool and some silly glasses and just really make a make a, a, a be a show pony. And they like to get their picture taken. So I do like the idea of it getting back to being about the clothes because at the end of the day, you know, that's what Fashion Week's supposed to be about. But Rebecca, will this change
3: the- the way you design? Because like, frankly, I haven't worn anything that buttons in about eight (laughs) months. And like, I miss my bags. And sometimes I carry them around the house just because (laughs) I don't leave that often. Like, has it has your collection itself and the way you design changed?
0: Yeah. So the minute we began to see, you know, sweatshirts hitting our top uh, 10, we expanded that collection. Then we gave you a full head to toe sweatshirt look, but everything has a twist to it. So we have our, I call them zoom shoulders. Our Janine sweatshirt has this like fun puff that if you are in a zoom, yes, you're wearing a sweatshirt, but you look stylish. Um, you know, we began to see that totes and nylon were doing well. So we added that a bigger breadth of those items to the collection. So we're, you know, jewelry, was a very tiny part of our business but everyone needs to change out their earrings and necklaces because they're on 60 zooms a day so you know that became a business that we were like excuse me what we did that much in sales on jewelry (laughs) we're selling out of jewelry like this was obviously exciting but confusing so then we said okay let's expand that um and I think that's not going away you know I think remote work is here to stay or at least some hybrid and so you're gonna have you know people that want to have their sweatsuit that they look chic in from home and then maybe get dressed up to go to work, uh, in something and more. And there was an article, I think it was in the New York times, but how a bag is going to become the symbol or has become a symbol of eventually I'm going to have somewhere to go, or I'm putting this (laughs) on as I I don't know, a symbol that I'm going to be going out soon. Yeah.
3: Very powerful. Yeah. (laughs) It's rainbows and a really great bag. That is the symbols of hope right now.
4: (laughs) Amen. Well, I love that. And I always say your bag walks into a room before you do. That was all I wanted for my push present. My husband was like, What jewelry do you want when you have a baby? I was like, Nope. (laughs) Nope. It is it's all bags for me. I think it's such an important piece of a woman's outfit. And I can't wait till the moment we can all start buying your bags in, in the dozens. Like I used to, I, I still have all of them sitting here. Uh, but yeah, I used to literally buy like 12 a season. So, um, we'll get back to that very soon. Hopefully it looks like things are starting to round the corner. Yes. Well, this was amazing. Rebecca, we love you. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. We always do, um, a li- two little segments that we wrap up with. So the first one is a lightning round and I'm going to ask you three questions. They're very difficult. So get ready to d- dig deep. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Question number one, morning or evening workout morning. Me too. Question number two, what is your favorite workout?
0: Uh, I was doing a lot of Peloton and that was great when we were back in New York and I got really into some of the instructors, which I never, I swore I would never be that favorites, favorites, the hot guy, the really hot guy. (laughs) Uh, What's his name? He he looks like he should have brown eyes, but they're blue. So they might be bad contact lenses. I don't Uh know. But now I'm just running or biking and I'm doing some weights. So I'm keeping it pretty b- basic and boring because I'm just in the middle of nowhere.
4: Yeah, but you're in Florida, so you can still run. I'm like watching my kids play in a blizzard right now. And like as much as it's pretty, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to run again. In six <laughs> months, so I'm a little jealous. Um, and the third question is coffee, tea or matcha?
0: Coffee for sure. But when I'm in the city, I'll definitely indulge in a couple of cha-cha matchas. Me too.
4: Same.
1: All right. Our very last thing is called karma call. Uh, So Megan says it way better than I do, but I'm the yogi. So I'll explain that karma is a Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could do say for like a week or however long, small action, giant result. It could be drinking water every morning.
0: Okay, it's two part answer but it all is the towards the same goal. So you have to get yourself out of the habit of buying things just because it's on Amazon and it's easy. Um, I came uh, up with a directory, it's under supportyourladies.com and so anything you need, just buy for a woman. Take an inventory of your life and how, you know, make 50% of your purchases since we're 50% of the population, make them women-owned brands. And then, if you want to go a step further, and I think it's definitely as important, take take the fifteen percent pledge. Buy fifteen percent of your of your purchase should be from black owned businesses. So fifty percent women and fifteen across men and women should be black. Um, and money is power. We all know that. And you'll be supporting these companies that will go a lot further than any dollars you can give to a big box retailer or one of the four men who've made trillions of dollars during this pandemic while we all got fucked. (laughs)
4: <laughs> I love you, Rebecca. Yes. That was yes! amazing. Again. I couldn't think of a better way to end this and wrap it up. You are inspiring to say the least. So thank you so much for being here today. And thank you to all of our listeners at home for listening in. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast everywhere. The podcasts are consumed and don't forget to follow us on the gram at off the gram podcast. We'll see you next time.
1: Yay. Yay.